Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. Today we have an exciting episode and it's all about finance. Wait, before your eyes get all glassy, we're going to be talking about finance with Justin Goodbread. He is an owner of FinanciallySimple.com. As a nationally recognized financial planner, financial educator, wealth manager, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, he has 20 years of experience starting, buying, owning, and selling businesses. So this is something you need to think about as a health provider or professional is how to make your practice worth more so that in the future when you want to sell it, it has more value. Justin is a two-time winner of the Investopedia Top 100 Advisor Awards and Exit Planner Leader of the Year. Recently, Justin published his first book, The Ultimate Sale. In it, he shows business owners how to create long-term value and accelerate growth in their company with the ultimate goal of selling the business for top dollar when the owner wants to retire. This is something of great interest to all of us, or should be. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks for having me, Barbara. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do with doctors, dentists, and other health professionals, as you say, entrepreneurial doctors. Sure, sure. So a little bit about me. I grew up in South Georgia. I'm an old country boy. They grew up on the swamps of, of near, the, near the Atlantic Ocean, just north of Florida by a little bit. And started my first business when I was 15, sold it when I was 22. Started two other businesses and sold, started and sold three businesses for a profit before the age of 35. I currently own four businesses. One of my businesses, in, which is my heartbeat, is working with entrepreneurial doctors. The reason why I say entrepreneur, these, these individuals are the ones who own their own practice or own their own business, and they're just like me. They're having to figure out where their customers are coming from, in this case, patients. They're having to deal with all the emotions that we deal with, with our team members, deal with finances, and all the other things that we business owners deal with. So I love working with entrepreneurial doctors because in the doctor space, we've been trained, you've been trained on how to rely on other experts. You know, I have to go to the doctor whenever I have a sore throat like I do right now and, and rely on expertise and training. And I find that many doctors respect other professionals. So it's a fun space to work in, Barbara. Oh, absolutely. It used to be people would put their shingle out and they would get patients, but they never really had a business mission or a business plan. They just did what they do best, take out the stethoscope and heal people. So growing and selling a practice must be part of the doctor's overall wealth management, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. So as business owners, and doctors are no different, uh, I hate to break the news, 
as business owners, what ends up happening is we build a net worth to where oftentimes 60, 70, 80% is the actual number, the statistic, 80% of our, of our net worth ends up being our business or our practice in this case. And we spend so much time trying to build this practice that, candidly speaking, we neglect ourselves. We neglect our, our own personal finances. You know, if we were employees working for a hospital or working for another doctor practitioner, then we would have, you know, maxing out 401ks, perhaps getting some profit sharing, things of that nature, and just squirreling away a ton of cash. But as the entrepreneur, oftentimes our profits are eaten up by the business. So... Growing a business to where it can be sold for a profit ends up being not a not a it ends up being a requirement for many entrepreneur doctors because life and the method that you've utilized to build your net worth to this point is not the same as your employee counterpart. So we've got to know how to grow a business, but we also have to know how to grow a business that will be interested or that another practitioner or a company will be interested in paying us for so that we can one day quote retire or move on to the next phase of life. Well, that certainly sounds good. How would you say this relates to marketing itself? In business, there are eight key areas of business, and you can break those down simply by planning and leadership are the first two, sales and marketing are the next two, people and operations, and then finally finance and legal or risk management. When it comes to marketing, many people, especially entrepreneur doctors, you know, we consult with over 100 entrepreneur doctors at this point nationally, and we have, I would say we, entrepreneur doctors often throw dollars at a marketing problem. And they've never really paused to figure out who is their target persona, how are they gonna reach their target persona, what are they gonna message them before the target persona ever reaches their office or because the front, the, the receptionist, et cetera. The marketing side of it is preparing the patient or the prospective patient for the quote sales process. The sales process is to where your, your internal operations is converting that, that prospect into actual revenue so that you can pay your bills, et cetera. So from a value growth perspective, you have to have, it's required to have a solid marketing plan. Not only does it drive revenue to your company, but ultimately those companies and those practices that do not have solid marketing plans do not value themselves upon sale as valuable as some others would be. Well, that makes a lot of sense. What area would you say is the number one problem common to every health professional today? Oh, it's hands down marketing, hands down. So it's going to come back to marketing is the number one. I would say planning or leadership is number two. Many times, the, as I see it, depending on the, the, the micro sect of, of medicine that we're dealing with, for example, if we're dealing with a dentist, they're typically a high C or high, or high detailed personality. If you're looking at a disc model personality profile, very detailed, whereas marketing is an I personality. It's very influential, very totally opposite spectrum. And so oftentimes I see very, very smart physicians or entrepreneur doctors who know their profession but the marketing side of it is contrary, totally opposite of the way they're wired. And as such, they often don't see the value in creating a marketing plan or a marketing structure. So hands down, number one, when it comes to entrepreneur doctors, marketing is often ranking the, on the weakest area of an appraisal. So what can health professionals do about these problems? 
Uh, you first start off with who you're trying to reach. Who's your, who's your ideal client, ideal patient? There's a ladder approach that we often teach our clients. That is, you take your current customer base or your patient base and you segment them. And in every practice, there's that top 20% of patients. Maybe they're a particular demographic, maybe they're a particular sex, maybe they're a particular socioeconomic status, but there's a, there's a top 20% of patients either that provide maximum value or maximum personal enjoyable value to your practice. What you're looking for is what comprises or what is the makeup of that top 20% of your patients. That creates the persona or the demographic that you want to create a marketing plan to. So the very first thing you want to do is build a persona which maximizes the revenue. And then you backfill in the steps which actually target specifically that persona. If you can pull that off and quantify it, don't just throw it out there and start throwing dollars at it, but build the persona, build the marketing plan, and then track the marketing dollars to see if the RO, a return on investment is there for your practice. If you nail that down, you've got a, the steps, the first steps to a true marketing plan in a, in a practice. Is the preparation for improving the value of a practice different depending upon whether your goal is to sell it to a hospital or another health professional? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Depending on which way you go, you have different strategies in place. So we would do a roll up maybe to a hospital, maybe to a DSO. If you're talking about a dentist, because I mean, you mentioned dentist early on. So if you're rolling up to a strategic buyer, you have one process. If you're trying to roll down to a, a junior or an associate within the practice, that's a different process. If you're candidly, we have a client right now that we're just trying to rip as much money out of the practice. And then when they retire, we're closing the doors. That's a whole different process. So your exit strategy dictates the steps you take in the growth or in the movements of this practice. So let's say a person wanted to build a practice to sell it to a, a junior partner. What would the best method be for that? Oh, that's a really broad question. Man, I can take that question a thousand different ways. Can we put a little bit of meat, more meat on that bone so I can help you answer that question, Barbara? Are we talking about a single doctor? Are we talking about a partnership that's in place? Because I see them all the time. Can you give me a little bit better guidelines on what you're asking? Well, you know, let, let's move away from that for a moment. Let's say you're preparing your practice to sell to uh, a large corporation, like let's say um, Kaiser Permanente or a, uh, a large group that, you know, is currently coming to your area. What would you do to let them know that you're preparing the practice. After all, some of your patients are coming to you for you personally. When you sell it, you may be leaving as well. So how do you combat that? There's, I'm going to use a bad example of medical doctor, so y'all don't throw things through the, through the radio on this, but it's an example that I think all of us will get. The McDonald's Corporation, which cooks those very unhealthy hamburgers. Again, I knew that was going to be a bad thing, but it's, it, you'll get the idea here. Whenever the McDonald's brothers started the McDonald's Corporation, they made one heck of a hamburger. I think I can cook a better one than the current McDonald's can, one that tastes a lot better, but they, they cooked a really good hamburger. Here along comes Ray Kroc, 
who buys out the McDonald's brothers. If we ever watched the movie or watched, read the book or read the history of McDonald's and Ray Kroc put in systems that taught 16 year olds across the globe, how to cook deep fry French fries without burning down the restaurant. Do your question. If you're trying to build a practice, whether it's going upline to a, to a hospital or strategic buyer, a DSO, depending on which way you're headed, then you have to remove yourself, the doctor, yourself, the owner from the epicenter of your business. You have to create systems and systematize everything in the practice so that you become just another quote employee of the company. We were actually dealing with this with one of our clients who's a dentist. They actually have a partnership, a large corporation in the, near the tundra, as I call them, up in the northern parts of the United States. And we actually, in the organizational chart, the owners of the company don't appear anywhere in the organizational chart. Instead, now, after many years of work, they're just listed as dentist down in the organizational chart. And they built a practice to where they can replace themselves with another dentist. And in doing so, a strategic buyer or a, or a large hospital, et cetera, will offer greater value because they're looking at an ROI, return on investment calculation that gives them a position to interchange that profession as opposed to relying on personality and everything that we business owners keep in our heads. So to answer your direct question, how do you make it to where a strategic buyer will give you maximum dollar? You remove yourself from controlling the practice and you put systems in place to where the practice can run with any doctor who's pushed in that position. This is really important for healthcare professionals to understand because let's face it, we all have egos, some, you know, more so than others. And they need to be reminded that if you're going to sell it and replace yourself, you have to, you know, take a step backwards and, and not be in the limelight all the time. Yeah, I use the analogy, Barbara, again, just old country boy from South Georgia. I use the analogy of a slingshot. I think we've all seen a slingshot before, a bow and arrow. The further back you can pull that device, the further the projectile will go forward. And so when you're dealing with your business, I think you used the word ego there. I love that word because myself included, every entrepreneur, I mean, we'll charge hell with a water pistol. That's the way we're wired. So we have to look at ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to take a step. I'm going to design this practice. I'm going to do a pause and pull back a little bit and design a practice here to where it can be launched forward greatly into the future. Without that, though, you're not going to sell the business at top dollar. You're, not going, to, you're just not going to do it. Yes, and I think that having that in mind, even when you're first starting, gives you a goal towards what you're working towards, and this is something that people can't start too early, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, so I, I believe candidly, Barbara, that as we're, as we're starting in our business, whether it's a practice, a private practice, a partnership type business, no matter where you're at in this entrepreneur cycle, that immediately day one, we start designing an exit for ourselves. You know, what the goal is, if you could build the idealistic exit, and this is what I talk about in our book, if you, if you could design your personal finances and the business to where they're both ready to sell at the opportune time, then you've reached the ultimate sale. In, in real estate, we call it location, location, location. In business, it's called timing, timing, timing. You're trying to make sure that you're preparing your business to sell at the optimal time. And in order to do that, you have to make sure your personal finances are in order at home. So that they work hand in hand. Do you help clients find buyers or help them through the selling process? 
with our systems that we utilize in the office, we go way back to the beginning and walk the client, not only through the personal aspect, not only through the business value growth, but also through the exit plan. We believe that the, that our job is to hold the client's hand from the start until their actual mortality, until their death. And in that job, we view ourselves as the head coach, so to speak, of the football team. We view ourselves as the person who is calling the other coaches in to coach the team, which the team ends up being your client. So in that avenue, we personally do not help list, list business to sell. Instead, we find, depending on the structure, we find the mergers and acquisitions advisors, we find the brokers, and then we teach them why this business is more valuable than competition's business is because of all the structures and all the groundwork we've laid to help that practice far exceed their other, uh, their competitors. That's great. Now your book, The Ultimate Sale, is that on Amazon? Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. It's also in Audible format. Um, you can actually listen to it in Audible as well. Both of them are there on Amazon or Audible. That's great. Well, how can our listeners find you, Justin? The easiest way to find me is through financiallysimple.com. Again, that's financiallysimple.com. If you Google my name, Justin Goodbread, it'll appear in almost over a million searches with all the accolades that I have nationally. But Financially Simple is where you'll go to hear the podcast that I do. We have about almost 250 episodes now of raw data teaching people how to do what we do. We also have just about a thousand written blog articles on the blog. In fact, I put, give this challenge to every podcast that asks me to come on as a guest. If you can find a topic that we haven't written about on the blog, let me know. Reach out through LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and say, hey, Justin, you didn't talk about XYZ BDQ, and we're going to put a topic out there on there because we're trying to build an exhaustive site for us business owners, more importantly, entrepreneurial doctors, so that y'all know how to reach your goals. That is absolutely fantastic, Justin. Well, I certainly appreciate you being on the show today, and I'm sure the listeners do too. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Barbara. This has been Dr. Barbara Hales, your host of Marketing Tips for Doctors. Speak to you next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.